Hi, I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Friends with Elephants. A show for the cool nerd in you. It's episode 25. This is our 25th episode. And I feel like this is such an amazing accomplishment. I feel like we're in the midst of a quarter-life crisis. So much so that we're using handheld mics for the first time ever. We're also actually in a room without a fort. For the second time ever. For the second time ever. For this 25th episode, I, I kind of wanted to tell you, the audience, the amazing audience that we have, that we have some special things coming up in store for Friends with Elephants. We've listened to you. We're going to do a whole bunch of new and exciting things but first and don't get sad here we're gonna take a break not a long break we're just not gonna have an episode next week we've decided that we're gonna have a little break take a vacation and we're gonna come back refreshed renewed maybe bring some new segments Mm -hmm. and as i hinted earlier (laughs) we are in the midst of a quarter life crisis quarter life crisis yes we are very much evaluating what we should do with friends with elephants how it should go forward um because you guys are always reaching out and telling us how much you love it and what you you're also telling us what you don't love and there are some things that we we've fiddled around with or at least had the conversation that hey maybe we can do this or change this or whatever so don't be surprised if we have maybe a couple of new segments the next time you come around which will be around august um 24th there will be a new episode we're not going forever i don't want you thinking we're going, we're going to miss a week. They're never going to come back to God. I need my Ivana and Jay. We will be back. In what, what are you going to do with your break, Jay? Oh my gosh. I am going to go on a relaxing, but also adventurous time because I'm going away with my girlfriend's family. So all of the sisters, all of the parents and three count them one two three kids including a teenager uh so i feel like it's going to be kind of an adventure it's going to be something i've never done before that is very exciting stuff i know i'm excited what are you gonna do nothing i'm gonna work i have so many things on the go right now i am uh juggling my part-time job and a bunch of different film projects that I'm working on. And so things are just kind of busy and I'm just excited to hustle and work. And yeah. (laughs) I totally feel bad for my little vacation getaway. (laughs) When you're going to be back here working. Yeah, a lot. Like 80 hours a week a lot. You make me feel so guilty. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. When we get back to Friends with Elephants, we'll be rested. I will be. I'll be so refreshed. I will be. I will be so overworked that I will not be able to wait to enjoy my actual hobbies and not just work, work, work. (laughs) Well, I'm super excited to see you in about a week. It's time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? I'm screwing with you oh again. Oh my God. Why do you do that? Because I realize that you're quite 
how do I say the word possessive over the intros? Sometimes you're like, okay, Ivana, do your intro. And then I do it. You're like, it's the wrong one. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Here's the thing, folks. We are standing up and Ivana's getting antsy and excited because this is a nerd battle. And the reason she's standing and the reason I'm standing actually is because last week we discovered something. While we both enjoyed Requiem for a Dream, she watches it on a regular basis because she's a weirdo, and I will never watch that film again. Which is exactly why you cannot call yourself a film nerd. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy there. Don't say something you can't take back. I can take... I, I stand by that. Any film nerd will watch Requiem more than once. Requiem for a Dream is not a rewatchable movie. And that is this week's nerd battle. Is Requiem for a Dream by Darren Aronofsky rewatchable? The answer is yes. The answer is no. Look, I really like this movie. In fact, I thought it was a damn fine film when I saw it. Ellen Burstyn's performance had me in tears. But the conversation asks if this film is rewatchable. And I don't think it is because it doesn't invoke joy or some kind of elation. A Beautiful Mind is an amazing story, but I'm never going to watch that movie again because it's just not rewatchable. Some movies are amazing. They're just not rewatchable. You are suggesting that only happy movies are rewatchable? I'm sorry. I cannot agree with that at all. And beyond anything, this movie is the most rewatchable film, I would say, of all time because of the way that it's crafted. Every single aspect of that movie taken on its own comes together to form a symphony as beautiful as the one that is created by the Kronos Quartet. This movie is consistently on the you cannot rewatch this movie list that pop up all over the internet. I'm telling you, number one on these lists, this movie has no sense of joy. It has no sense of fun. And I'm not saying that every movie does. I'm not saying that every rewatchable movie does. The Dark Knight certainly doesn't have a sense of fun. Sure it's it a does. very dour film. I'm saying that Requiem for a Dream is something that takes your spirit and crushes it. That doesn't mean it's not a good film. It gives it you hope. Requiem for a Dream can show you it's a morality tale. Are it you gives telling you me? lessons oh. that you need to learn. And you know what? Just because you, listen, Mr. just because you're standing edge, on your toes doesn't mean you're right. Okay. Listen, it does not give you hope. You Feel for these characters who are dying. The final scene, one of the final scenes in the film, is all four characters going into the fetal position. It is dour. You're right. It's a morality tale. And you know what? It is not even one of Darren Aronofsky's best Film. There is no better movie that he's made other than this movie. And The Wrestler the is wrestler. a million times Black more simple. Swan. And so Black is Black Swan. Swan. And Black Swan gets $106 million. Sounds like people went back to see it again. Requiem for a Dream, $56,000? What? Nobody's going back to watch Prior it again. Prior to Requiem for a Dream, he made Pi. Pi made almost no money. Requiem for a Dream was the launching pad for the rest of his career. That movie did so well in comparison to what he was expecting like prior to making that movie. And in fact, 
it was so legendary that even to this day, more than 10 years later, people consistently talk about this movie. Because of the controversy. They, they optioned a Requiem for a Dream for $1,000, which at that time, they were like, oh my God, who even has $1,000 to option a writer to make an adaptation of his novel? And so that should give you a little bit of understanding of how lowly they were when they made this movie. And so for people who were that lowly to attract stars as big as Jared Leto, Jennifer Connelly, Ellen Bernstein, Marlon Wayans, all of these people, think about how good that movie has to be for all these people to attach themselves to a nobody with no budget. That's not the fight we're fighting. I told you it's a great film. I told you it was a great cast. Ellen Burstyn made me cry. This movie has so much to offer. The argument is, is it rewatchable? And like you said, morality tale or not, this film is controversial. People love to run out and watch controversial films. In fact, Premier Magazine voted this movie as one of the 25 most dangerous films in all of cinema, which means filmgoers ran out to see this movie, but they didn't run back a second time. Only on my third viewing was I able to discern the fact that throughout the film, Aronofsky would actually foreshadow the future of each character in the sound effects that he uses when doing montages during happy moments in the movie that literally tells you exactly what's going to cause their demise later down the road. I mean, it takes viewings to understand that level of layeredness. And that's what he built. And hey, no other movie he's ever done has been as Whoa. layered as that. Whoa. The transformation in Black Swan is foreshadowed from the beginning of the film. And you cannot argue with me that the Black Swan finale, when she is fully immersing herself in the Black Swan and turning into that swan, that that isn't even more powerful. And what got Natalie Portman the Oscar? Because it is so gut-wrenching that you literally cannot breathe when you're watching that scene. I now, could Ellen definitely Burstyn, breathe more than watching Ellen Bernstein get electric shock or Jennifer Connelly prostitute herself in a swarm of disgusting men. No, Natalie Portman has a better performance than Ellen Burstein. She does. Ellen Burstein really makes you feel, but Natalie Portman knocks the wind out of you. You're I disagree. sitting in a seat doing nothing and literally that final scene from Aronofsky knocks the wind out of you. I went to see The Black Swan immediately following the first time I saw it because I had to see if I'd have that visceral reaction again. All Requiem for a Dream gives you is scary. And you talk about him using music because all of those notes are there to convey fear and they work. But the thing is, no, no, there not are just fear, many but other many films. emotions. There are many other films that do it. And quite frankly, in other cases, do it better. In 1995, Kids came out and Kids was this street kids film from New York City where one of the kids was sexually promiscuous and had AIDS. And this film was terrifying. And it had the same glimmering sort of hope that doesn't exist in Requiem for a Dream. Uh, I completely disagree. Kids was one of the most unrewatchable movies of all time. And it wasn't even that amazing of a film. And I don't really see what they did from a filmmaking perspective that can hold a candle 
to what Aronofsky did with Requiem for a Dream. But again, to get back to why this movie needs to be rewatched over and over, all I'm saying is that the movie itself is so layered. For example, the cinematographer ended up getting so moved by one of Ellen Bernstein's performances during a scene, the really long one that's a single shot as she's cleaning the apartment, which she did three times, by the way even though her back was hurting and she could barely do it even the first time. Anyhow, the third take was the perfect take, with the exception that at the very end, she's out of frame for a second. And Aronofsky was so pissed, and he turns to his cinematographer, who is distraught, and he explains that he was so moved simply shooting the performance, which, let me tell you, does not happen, that he lost sight of her because his lens fogged up. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that now I need to go watch it for the hundredth time to see her go off camera so that I know what he was doing when he was filming that and why she went off camera during that time. I'm only going to say one more thing about this film. Requiem for a Dream's a scary, important film. It is, but like so many other movies of controversy that came before and will come again, it's just not worth rewatching. There are better films. I want to know from you is Requiem for a Dream rewatchable? Please let us know. We recently had the Republican debate and it was amazing to watch. So I thought, what better MDD segment could we do than Mary Do Ditch? politician edition that's right and of course by amazing to watch you meant what a train wreck just craziness happening on that thing i know i honestly i don't know why the canadians chose to have a debate the same night because who wouldn't prefer to watch the republicans it was definitely more entertaining than the mclean's debate yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so i got three strapping not so young politicians for you. Although I did throw Mr. Justin Trudeau into the mix. So Justin Trudeau, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. And I think this is Barack Obama's second time hitting our MDD list. Well, you made this incredibly easy for me, Jay. Obviously, I'm going to marry Justin Trudeau. Okay, why? I'm a big fan of him, and I will be voting for him in the elections. Oh, wow. You have just, like, just, you may have enraged millions of people or had a bunch of endearing, or endeared a few. (laughs) I will be doing Barack Obama because, well, I mean, that who isn't curious? It's all dark and handsome. That's for sure. And obviously, I am ditching the Trump Meister. All right. So I got a little bit of difference here. I'm going to ditch Justin Trudeau. What? Yeah, I don't really need to marry him and I don't want to do him. So I'm going to marry Donald Trump because he's recently single and I can get into some of that money, 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 money. I believe he's recently single. I think he's been married three times now. Who knows? Who I, the I hell knows? lost count after Ivana. Fact checker, where are you? He was married to an Ivana. Did you know? I did know that. So, I mean, obviously good company is kept. So <laughs> I'll definitely be marrying the Trump man. Uh, going to do Barack Obama because, yeah, tall, dark, 
He's, you know, if I was gay, I'd probably have a type. He plays basketball. Yep. And what are my three? I want to know my three. All right. Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of the State uh, from the USA. Christina Fernandez, who is the President of Argentina. And Christy Clark, the BC Premier over in our neck of the woods, Canada. Okay, I got this. I'm ditching Hillary. I'm marrying Christy Clark. And I will definitely do Christina Fernandez. Christy Clark's got kind of a cuteness to her. I think she'd be fun to just live with, you know, and hey, she's not unattractive. Uh, and then Christina Fernandez. I mean, Argentina, you got that Latin vibe going. That's going to be a fun night for sure, right? And Hillary, you're, you're Hillary Clinton. I'm good. <laughs> All right. I'm marrying Hillary Clinton. What? I think she looks very handsome in her pantsuits. That's, uh, that is the word for her. That is, no. She's, I think she's a very lovely lady. I think she's beautiful. She's smart. Oh, you're right. She is handsome. And you can build a life together as she takes you to the next stage of your career and then her own career. Uh, I'm going to ditch Christina Fernandez because... Because she brings the Latin heat? Yes. <laughs> and because I just... I don't know something about Christy Clark. She has me curious and I would like to check on that for a night. Well, all right. There is Mary Do Ditch. Last week, we asked you to watch Ant-Man. And so I'm doing an Ant-Man voice, which really Jay is Jay actually turned tiny during that. I turned super tiny. <laughs> Apparently, he has his own Ant-Man suit. Apparently, I do. And, and they're called Tarjay jeans. Tarjay jeans <laughs> make me go from this to this. living space. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I can get my voice that high. I just can. I just, ladies, ladies, back up, back up. <laughs> so Ant-Man, you Ant finally saw it. Ant-Man. We haven't talked about it. What, what, did, what did you think? Why aren't more superhero movies involving heists? That was amazing. It was such a small scale, interesting superhero movie. And it makes me so excited for Deadpool because it's so small and contained and just a little universe. And we haven't blown it up like Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm sorry that I keep coming back to this well. But, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron was just okay. Ant-Man was definitely the more fun superhero movie. Not to mention, Ant-Man was just a fun movie. It was so much fun. I laughed. I was excited on the edge of my seat. I was actually shocked at how much I really enjoyed all the insects. They made them adorable. Well, they they were ants. Like, they didn't look... No, they did not look like what ants look like. They looked like ants. Not really. Ants are not that cute. The ants were totally animated cutified. Okay, well, you keep saying cutified. I don't understand how they were different than normal house ants. Really quickly, we are probably going to throw some spoilers in this section. So please, if you haven't seen Ant-Man and you really want to, maybe skip ahead to the next segment. Have you gone? I guess you've gone. Okay, so here's the deal. Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, that Baskin Robin scene was... I, I can't... I'll never look at a Baskin Robbins the same way again. <laughs> 
I'm serious. He said, oh, I'll find a job. No problem. I land on my feet. I'm an engineer. I can do this. Welcome to Baskin Robbins. Hilarious. It was... Uh, what I think my favorite part of that was that he didn't feel that he was too good for it. He took the job and he did his best. And even when the kid was a douchebag, and yes, he had to give that kid attitude. Who <laughs> couldn't? Who couldn't? But like when he got into his manager's office, he was legitimately a humble dude. He and was humble. He was respectful. That was, I think, his save the cat moment. You know what I mean? Like you were on his side no matter what he did for the rest of that movie. Here's the thing that I think is awesome about Ant-Man. He is genuinely a good person. Like, he's a nice person. He's the kind of guy that you could have a drink with. He's the kind of guy that you would be okay seeing date your daughter. He's not a jerk. I, if I was a man, I would not want him to be dating my daughter because... He is so attractive, and as a man, you don't want the person your daughter ends up with to be like a man. But you know he can protect her with his Ant-Man suit, so that's fine with me. Not to mention, can we just like say how great it would be to have Ant-Man with the Avengers? The Avengers seem to have a real problem with teamwork, but the way that Ant-Man works with those ants, all teamwork. During the heist scene, all the ants are doing their thing. Great work, guys. Keep it up. He could teach the Avengers a thing or two about how to stay a team. And I love that this is where we started the story, kind of in the middle. I think it was really Yeah, I smart. thought it was very cool because I wanted to see Hank Pym, but I also really like this ushering in somebody that doesn't have as much history in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where us film, uh, film and comic book geeks can be like, well, what about Hank Pym and all of his days on the Avengers? And he was a founding member and blah, 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 blah. And I thought it was really neat to start off with Paul Rudd's character and, you know, see why he distrusts the Avengers. I'm not going to put the part, the Pym particle in the hands of a Stark. I can't do that. You know, that was really interesting why they wouldn't call the Avengers for something like this. I really just enjoyed how this movie fit inside the Marvel Universe without disrupting anything. And it, as you said, it was really self-contained. And I loved, and this is the thing about the Avengers Age of Ultron that I keep coming back to, so many goddamn characters. There were way too many people to follow and they had to keep cutting from the actual storyline to go to other people's storylines so that you could grow with them before they're standalone films. And I'm sorry, I want to watch a story. That's why the original Avengers worked out so well. So when we saw at least one Avenger fly in, and I do mean that, fly in to this film to take on Ant-Man, I thought, you know what? Yes, because in the comic books, this is how it goes down. There are only one or two Avengers who have a skirmish. They don't hate each other. They just have a skirmish and then they move on. That's that's comic book 101 right there. And I love that Kevin Feige is cool enough to be like, yeah, let's put that guy in there. Let's put that guy in there. Sure. Let's let's make this a full cohesive universe, but using the smaller characters. But more than that, I love the fact that we had one villain oh my gosh can we just talk about that villain too 
The fact that Corey stole. Oh, he is so damn good. That scene when they're on the train track and he runs out. Oh my gosh, I love that scene. And all the ants run out too. It was one of the smallest and funniest climaxes of any superhero movie. How many ants died in this movie though? I felt kind of bad for the ants. They were all animated. Yep. I don't care if they were all animated. They died like a lot of... Ant death happened in this film. I was only sad about Antony. I know. He was so cute. He was so cute. My question to you is, do you want a sequel to this? Yes. I don't. I want to see Ant-Man amalgamated into other films. I love his story. I love the mixing of the two genres. I love the fact that it was kind of like Ocean's Eleven meets classic superhero movie why don't we do it more it's more intelligent and it breaks the mold i don't think we need that i think we have a scenario where they need somebody really really small to break in somewhere or do something and they call ant-man in and ant-man comes in and he helps out or he shows up in civil war and he reminds them what teamwork's all about that would be awesome. I don't Ant Man think... is not a poster child for teamwork. I don't think we need He's more cool. Ant Man stories. How many more high stories can we see? A million. There were three Ocean's Eleven movies. There are heist movies made over and over and over again, and they're a loved, beloved genre. I personally would just like to see the character carry in to more films and then get the Wasp, because the Wasp does not need to be in a film a standalone she doesn't need to be in another ant-man movie i think you just you understand that the wasp is now in the universe and the marvel slate is insane already i feel like yeah okay pop ant-man into the black panther movie that you've already slated that you know could or couldn't work and let's not forget this only made 58 million dollars at the box office opening weekend that to a marvel movie is kind of a flop guardians of the galaxy made well over 80 million dollars in its opening i'm weekend, sorry and but that nobody knew them opening at 60 million versus 80 million opening weekend is not a flop that is the opposite of a flop. This movie is currently at 300 million worldwide. Come on. When we come back, not next week, but the week after, when we come back, what are we watching? We will be watching a TV show. We will. And I think it's just in time because we're getting close to the tail end of the summer and getting back to school and all that kind of stuff. So we will be watching what. Hot American Summer, another Paul Rudd classic. Ooh. I recommend watching the movie first, then going over to the pilot and watching that with us. Okay, I've already watched the movie a bunch of times, so I'm going to go watch it, and we'll have a conversation about this next time. This week on Reddit Advice Corner. On the days of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, who are we helping? We are helping Kidastar. My friend has a friend, let's call him Tyler, who I was told was in a long distance relationship in which he could have sex with other people as long as she wasn't in the city and didn't know who it was. I met him. We hit it off really well. We ended up having sex and became friends with benefits for a little while. Eventually that ended and I met my current boyfriend and that was it for the friends with benefits situation. Eventually, Tyler's girlfriend moved to my university and we became friends. My boyfriend, Tyler, and my best friend gave me advice not to say anything because I really wanted to tell her. They said it wasn't my place 
and that it could cause her problems just to make me feel better. So I kept it a secret. I found out later that the open relationship was not as I was told. A month ago, she found out about the whole friends with benefits situation. She says now that I seduced him and had sex with him in her bed to spite her. She says that I should have told her, which I admit I probably should have. She is saying that I knew that he had a girlfriend, but I went after him. She said that the open relationship doesn't matter, despite the fact that it was the reason I had considered having sex with him in the first place. I knew that he was in a relationship, but as far as I knew, he had a girlfriend that I would never meet who was okay with him sleeping with other girls and that I would make new friends to hang out with. And now she's been messaging me to remind me how much she hates me and to call me names. I'm dreading going back to school. It's a horrible situation for her and she's gotten some really... And she has gotten a really horrible side of the deal, but I don't think that I deserve the hate mail either. She's still with him and making it work, but meanwhile, sending me loads of hate mail. I don't know what to do. I'm worried about going back to school and facing her. I'm worried about what she will do. Should I write it out? Could she understand eventually? Tale as old as time, right, Ivana? Who hasn't slept Girl. with a dude that says that he's in an open relationship, but really he isn't, and then becomes really close friends with his girlfriend when she moves into town? And then that girlfriend eventually finds out about the whole ordeal and now hates you. I mean... I mean, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, honestly, this is actually a very unique situation. I don't think I honestly have ever been there. I've been with women who have cheated on me, but I've never stayed with those women. And I don't really understand why this girl is at all still with this guy. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Like, sure, you aren't friends with your friend anymore because she slept with your girl, your boyfriend. And that totally makes sense to me. But why is still with the boyfriend who totally flat out lied and you know, was screwing around on you while you were in another city. Like why stay with him? I would be friends with that girl who slept with my boyfriend because she didn't do anything wrong. He did something wrong. Yeah. But he's obviously now saying, no, I never told her that, you know, it just sort of happened one night, but it didn't happen one night. It sounds like it happened multiple times, but let's be honest. We're not giving the girlfriend advice here. We are giving the other girl advice. I would walk away from this whole situation. I'd get a new phone number if you can, and I'd just block her on Facebook. Like, But here's the problem. They, would, they go to school together, and they're in the same program. University. They're taking the same classes. They're in the it same like major. matter. They're, you just have to get over it, and you got to ignore it. You got to walk away. What you, happens you, when you they're in her, the same class, though, Jay? What are you going to do then? She walks up to you. She starts being whatever. You'd be like, hey, listen. Leave me alone. This isn't my problem. I'm not friends with him. I'm not friends with you. So all this crap you're doing is just to make yourself feel better and I'm above it. Just like that. Yeah, man. I'd say it more defiantly and then I'd walk away. I would first suggest avoidance wherever possible. So if you're in the same class and she's already there, go sit across the room and just avoid, avoid, avoid. But if you're in a situation when you're actually like stuck together... And she goes up to you. I think the answer is to be really humble. This chick already knows all that. 
She's probably already apologized a number of times. She's probably responded to these crazy messages and said, I know I should have told you. I didn't realize this was happening. I thought she was in a relationship where it was this. I didn't ever thought, think we'd meet. When we did meet, I wanted to tell you, but everyone said, don't tell her. And then all of a sudden, you know, and you hate me. I feel really bad about that, but I can't change any of this. And I've already told you sorry. So if you want something else, you're going to have to tell me what it is. And if it's a fight, I'm walking away because I've already walked away from all of this last year. Two years ago. Two years ago. I will say this. I It sounds to me like this girl just wants you to blame so that she doesn't have to blame her boyfriend, who she clearly must know is the actual person to blame. Otherwise, she wouldn't be so angry at you. There are all kinds of different relationships. This is these two are obviously people to avoid. Yeah, Kidda, I'm not gonna Kidda, lie. The, Kidda, the guy seems like a douchebag. This other girl bad... is awful. I oh. just hope that you don't have any classes with her. Yeah, the whole thing's just a bad vibe written all over it. And I would just walk away. It sounds like you still got some friends. It's not like these are the only two people in your life. Focus on school, head down, keep rocking it, and this will pass trust me they always do Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg they're promoting American Ultra and the studio thought it would be funny if they interviewed each other on funnierdie.com and I believe it's not dead no it's pretty funny actually <laughs> it's it's really really good uh, the way it worked is Kristen was asked a couple of questions that a guy would normally be asked and Kristen then got to ask Jesse girl questions which were super inappropriate yeah that's kind of like par for the course it's like are you pregnant what the hell like that's you don't even ask anybody that that would be the rudest so i thought and so did you it would be kind of fun to do an interview with only inappropriate questions to one another all right what's your first question ivana well the other day jay we were hanging out and you were wearing an outfit that I don't know, might have shown off that you could have potentially gained some weight over the past little while. Can you let uh, us know how you feel as now that you're an advocate for the curvy people of the world? And, and what do, <laughs> advice do you have for people so that they can still be confident even though they've gained weight? That is, oh man, that's a hurt. That's an awkward question, but I'm... I'm pretty happy. I'm a jovial person. Um, Are you calling yourself Santa Claus? I, no, I'm not Santa Claus fat. There is no Santa Claus fat here. I can't believe you'd even say that to me. You said it. You were like, I'm a jovial person. Yes, I'm not a jolly old elf. I'm jovial. Why would you choose the word jovial? It's just a word, please. Anyway, it doesn't matter if you're big, you're thin, you're small, you're... Bumpy. It doesn't even matter if you're cute or beautiful or whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as you're happy, which I am, and no, I do not own elves. All right, Ivana, I would really like to know, are you ever going to settle down? I mean, yeah, you got engaged, then you got married, but I, I haven't seen the settle part. I mean, when are kids coming? Do I, do I have to settle down? Or is there See, a rule? That is the answer everyone should give. Do, do I have to settle that? <laughs> Are you telling me I have to? <laughs> so, Jay, 
who are you wearing? Um, like literally right now. Roots and. Do you know? Oh my god, yeah. that's brilliant. Roots T-shirt and. Uh, I think these jeans are from Target. <laughs> but Target. I, but I don't know what the. I can't remember the Target brand. It's like it's not Levi's. It's Denvi or something like. I that. like to call it Target. I am wearing Target. I'm feeling pretty <laughs> good in them. Um, they look like they fit. They feel like they're fine. I guess I don't know. Um. Ivana, so what can someone do to be more attracted to you or attractive to you? Well, Jay, that's a great question. Um, I'm particularly attracted to the tall and the awkward and the nerdy. So the more awkward and tall and nerdy a person could be while still being themselves, that that's what I find attractive. <laughs> So basically, the Will Wheaton of men. Who knew he was tall? But <laughs> man, it's it delights me to know that he is. All right, Jay. Um, tell me about your hair color. There, you've chosen to do something bold. Some might say. What? You don't dye your hair. But I used to, and then it turned this color. And why is this a question? Like, in what world would that actually be a question? Hair color questions happen to girls all the time. Okay, well, it's stupid. It's <laughs> my hair. I didn't I didn't pick my hair. It just is what it is. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> Let's move on. Like, so what would you do if you were a celebrity and you had to field these questions in a day-to-day basis? I'd probably, it would probably be a miracle for me not to snap more often. And I'm starting to feel like celebrities who have those awkward interviews and kind of snap are pretty justified in the idiotic questions that they've been asked for 24 hours. That's it for today, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, we are going to take that one week break, so there won't be a new show next week. But I totally encourage you to go back and check out some old Friends with Elephants. Maybe you haven't actually checked them all out. Well, we really sucked at the beginning and they're super fun to listen to. The best thing that you can do if you really want to go in for a laugh, listen to like a newer podcast, then go back to an original and then go back to a newer. The sound quality differences, laughable. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to us at all, maybe you've got some ideas, maybe you... uh, want to shoot us a line or maybe you hate us all together and you just want to send us a or line. if you have any new segment ideas we're open yeah we're totally open and you can find us at friendselephants.com or you can reach us via email at friendswithelephants at mail.com we're on facebook at friends elephants i'm on twitter at it's Ivana. and i'm at jester J. We've made it super easy for you to find us. We are going to miss you so much over the course of this break, but we promise we're going to be back and with really, really great ideas. I think we have some some refreshing new things coming. I think. And in the meantime, please enjoy the summer heat. Get out there. Love the sun. And we can't wait to hear from you again in the near future. But before you do, would you please just jump onto iTunes and rate us? Give us a like there. Comment. Subscribe. Maybe you haven't checked out our Facebook page. You definitely want to go there and like us. Um, And you can check out 
other stuff we've done on Twitter. So please take the time. You don't even understand how big a deal it is on iTunes when you do click that star rating and you give us five stars or four or one. Any rating works. It doesn't really matter, but we're not at a fort today. So what is our catchphrase when we're not in a fort again? Well, the last time we yelled jail, but I don't think that works. That did not work. That was so ridiculous. Maybe <laughs> we should yell fort. Mm. What if we just like peter off awkwardly like Jesse Eisenberg? Mm.